Thank you, as always, for listening to Fluff and Crunch. We've had a number of requests through Facebook, email when we were still using it, and uh, now the Discord to reintroduce ourselves and add a little bit of detail to who we are and where we're coming from when it comes to gaming and why we're doing what we're doing. So that is what we are doing in this episode per your request. There is a link, by the way, an evergreen link to the Discord uh, in the notes for this show. So if you want to weigh in and respond to our, our call to the audience, we encourage you to do so. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Anyway, good morning, Chris. Uh, good afternoon, Jeremy. Good afternoon. Was it it's, it's, five it's o'clock. Oh, five's a funny time. It's it's kind of past afternoon, but it's too early for evening. What what, uh, what time is your sun going down now? The, your sun. Give me a break. Like the British have their own it's sun. Now. It's it's going what, down what, it, now. <laughs> by by, it's going it okay? down at the moment. Yeah, we're like around six thirty yeah. something p.m. now. Sun going down, but um. So how have you been for the last several days, and did you do any gaming over this weekend? Uh, did we record on Thursday? Sometime in the, the, the mists of time several days ago. We did, yeah, we did an episode of Conan Exiles on Thursday, which, which yes. had a bit less randomness, because we decided to go back to some we'd found in a previous episode and decided not to go into. And then so we kind of did a lot of random dice around the side. We discovered this outpost, and back then... We had like sticks. <laughs> we're like, well, we're not going into an outpost in case there's like people there that don't like us and they just kill us. So now we've had time to sort of build armor and weaponry and train a bit. Um, we thought we'd go in there. And so we went in there and it turned out they were all very sick. And they weren't just a little bit sick. There was like about two guys left. Um, so we, yeah, we kind of went all murder hobry <laughs> and killed the people. Well, all right, it turns out that it was an outpost by the people who had exiled us to the exiled lands. So we were kind of like, well, they've got it coming. Um, there was sort of one bloke who was okay with our, maybe we're not elite, don't have the allegiance to them. Uh, and we, uh, yeah, we basically killed everyone else. And then after that, it kind of went into more of me running stuff because then I had the meter an actual League of Legends character who saved them from getting their asses kicked by a big monster and then having to go and close this big portal thing, which they did fight. I literally took one of the biggest monsters I could fight find in Conan to use it to represent a big bad guy from the, the big monster from mm -hmm. League of Legends. Uh, and they defeated it incredibly easily. So at some point, I think I need to look at an episode of like how you can make things last longer because because the longest thing, the, because the most amount of wounds you have in Conan is sort of like, I think it still only maxes out at sort of four or five for a nemesis. Yeah. Um, if you've got characters who have intense weapons and they manage to roll, manage to get five hits through, uh, five wounds through, well, that's two, uh, sorry, not five wounds, five stress. Well, that's two wounds straight off. And if another character can get things in and then something really, really big can go down very quickly. Um, anyway, the big thing went down and then closed the portal and... So I said, right, we've got to escape the collapsing portal, forgetting that Brian's character had taken so many wounds, he had difficulty plus three on all. Ouch. <laughs> and my, my character fluffed his role. So two of the three characters disappeared into the portal that collapsed when we destroyed the Void Monster. And that's how we left it. And we can't play this week. So our characters are, uh, yeah, lost in the Void. Uh, but we, we increased the settlement. We almost got it up to a Thorpe, but then we realized we didn't have enough population. That's cool. I mean, it sounds, that sounds like a good combination between you know, your, your individual character, story, and action, and then one of the cornerstones of that Exiles um, alternate setting, which is that settlement building yeah. that we talked about a little bit, yeah, in the, the carousing episode. Carousing in yeah. downtime. Well, I had you, no then? gaming because I went out of town for a family oh, wedding. Uh, and that was fun. That was... Uh, that was nice. It was a blur. I mean, I left Friday morning, came back Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, rather. Um, but uh, but it was nice. So I've got nothing to add in the gaming department, but I do have this to add or state that we were. I guess 
I guess you could suppose we're giving in. Do you think we're giving in? We're we're get, we're relenting. That we've had people request. I don't think we, we're giving in. I think, yeah, we we we've decided. No, we have not given in. We've decided to. Uh, we haven't got anything else no, to talk about. No, never. Oh no, bad planning. All right, fine. We have other things to talk about. We didn't plan very well, so we're doing what people yes. asked us to do. We're responding to there our fans. The fan service, but without. Japanese girls in small right. dresses or whatever right. fan service actually is. Sailor, no sailor costumes were involved in the uh, recording of this podcast episode. Nope. Thank goodness. Yeah, we're going to do a reintroduction of us uh, as, as individuals and as gamers and then talk about a couple other things. Chris, actually, you've got some, I think, some good uh, categories or, or general topics to go through. But let's go ahead and start off with a, a reintroduction of ourselves. And... How did you want to, why, why don't you go ahead and start, since you had this as an idea. I'll dump it on your plate. Are we doing a, a, a not, we're not doing, not just right. gaming then? We do our life yes. history. We'll start before our parents met. No, no we won't. <laughs> uh, I could go back quite far with that, but I'm not going to. Um, well, not that far. I could go back that far. All right, so... Yeah, as with most people, I started gaming as a relatively small child with Dungeons and Dragons. I think I actually, I, I can't, what I can't remember is whether I started playing Dungeons and Dragons because it was a club at school. We used to have, a, I think we had an afternoon, this was in primary school, so I was nine. So I was nine when I started. And then a similar time, my dad, who was a headmaster oh. of a school, so you'd call him a principal, um, he wanted to introduce it at his school. What I can't remember is which one of those, because they happened at a really similar okay. time. So I remember my dad buying like a couple of the D&D boxes. I think he had to not do it eventually because he worked at like a church school. And this was, uh, yeah, this would be in the like, late 80s. So although we didn't really get the sort of satanic panic thing like you did in America, it's still kind gotcha. of Gotcha, you had a little existed. bit of that. So I, okay. Yeah, so I don't think it went very far that. But yeah, that's when I, so I started with yeah, the basic set and I had the basic set and the expert and then. Uh, and then pretty much everything I played beyond that was was TSR stuff because that's what I was aware of because, you know, this is pre-internet. Yeah. So all I had was, you know, Dragon Magazine. So you could see the stuff was in drags, you know, so I had Top Secret SI and Marvel mm -hmm. Superheroes and eventually even went into like the master book system. Oh, God, so bad. Uh, oh, no, that wasn't. No, that wasn't. That wasn't TSR. Yep. That was West End Games and Star Wars. Um and then I, you know, I, I did well. I, I went to university, I played other games. Then it was the 90s, so I played World of Darkness, obviously. And then I really didn't do a lot of role-playing for, I mean, close to maybe not 10 years, but like a very long time. I just, I didn't have anyone to play with. I didn't know anyone that played. I, I didn't know how to go. I didn't know there was game shops that like did stuff where I was, where I'd moved to, to work. So it just kind of went on the back burner. Um, and it was something I'd occasionally do with friends. Like, you know, if, if friends would come up the weekend, I'd do some role playing. And I'd occasionally try and introduce it to partners and stuff, but it would always like kind of be like, oh, yes, or whatever. Um, and it really wasn't until, ooh, trying to think how long have I lived here? <laughs> uh, right. So let's say it's about 15 years ago. It's not, it's roughly that. But at, the, at one point in time, the two guys that were my best mates where I grew up in the South both moved up north as well. So, literally into so brian now lives in the same village i live in so this is like my best mate from when i was when you know when i was in so secondary school so when i was sort of 15 16 17 18 and playing a campaign that went on yeah. for two three years the two guys i did that most with um one of them then moved and then eventually ended up living in the same village i do and another guy who i did live with for who lives in his half an hour away so we're back living within half an hour so we meet we got back to meeting up every week and so then that's when we started role playing again more regularly um so I think it was kind of the tail end of fourth edition. So we kind of skipped fourth edition. So that's why when I was like, well, you know, why didn't I play third? Well, because second edition was still a thing before I went to university and yeah. at university. And the third came in, but I wasn't playing it. So when I talk about D&D, &D, that's why I skipped third. And I bought a lot of stuff, fourth, mm -hmm. but I never played it because I had no one to play it with. I was just playing. Right, you were just first. reinterested in the hobby and the reading and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so then it was, yeah, sort of the last sort of 15 years of playing. But mostly the whole of that time has just been me, Scott, and Brian. There was a there was a period where there was another guy we let join our group, which didn't go great, but then he moved away. So um, 
and then I've played occasionally with like Mika as well. And then, and now Annie is just yeah. getting older. Like occasionally we try it and play bits with her. Um, yeah. So in terms of, yeah, in terms of a job thing, I suppose it's worth going over with jobs. I did out of university. I programmed for five years. I wrote computer games for five wow. years. I did that, but I got made redundant. And when I got made redundant, I was trying to find other jobs and I couldn't. And at the same time, around that time, I think my partner at the time and, and Scott and my sister were all becoming teachers. And I was like, I'll give that a go, which is funny because my whole family are teachers. My parents are teachers. So whether you realize it or not, the predisposition was probably there. Yeah, but I'd never, never crossed my mind. No one ever said be a teacher. I never considered it. And I was like, well, I'll give it a go. Um, and I, I quite, you know, I kind of quite enjoyed it. And the holidays were good and pay wasn't, but the holidays were good. And it gave me sort of some time to do things. And, and I'm still doing it. That's so, excellent. And how long have you been teaching? Well, that's fair. When did I start? When did I start teaching? I can't work it out. Let's see. So I started in 2004 and we're in 20, wow. 18 years. I've been teaching now. So I still talk about the fact that oh, I was a programmer. The reality is I, I, I programmed for yeah. five years and I've been teaching for but 18. But still, I mean, it's, that's, that's not so, something you, you, you did for like, you know, that, that's different from, oh, I had this, I was a lifeguard. Like I, I lifeguarded when I, yeah. for one summer when I was in college. I wouldn't say, oh, I used to be a lifeguard. No, I lifeguarded for yeah. a summer. There's a difference, but no, five years, you were paying, you were paying the bills on that one. So it counts. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat that you've got those long, those long standing uh, connections within your, your game group where these are, these are people with whom you've been friends for a long time and you have gamed with for a long time. So those two, those two points of connection, they, they sound like they, they support and build on one another. Yeah. It makes it, it makes it kind of weird in the sense, you know, these are guys that I've been gaming with since we were, well, in Scott's, I mean, Brian, not till we were sort of 15, but in Scott's case, when we were like 12, so it's like, you know, 30 years of gaming with the same people, which means that we have some, when we, we, you know, a lot of the time when we talk about what works and what doesn't, a lot of that is colored by the fact that I basically only play with these yeah. guys for sort of 30 years. And yes, I have occasionally played with other people. And at uni, I played for totally oh, yeah. different people and played in other games. And occasionally since I've played in other games, but you know, the vast majority of my gaming experience is with me and two other people. And even then, I because someone asked in our Discord, well, do you ever play? And it's like, no. <laughs> because I'm a te- I've said this a few times, I am a terrible player. Yeah. I mean, I remember we, we don't do it anymore because as a kid, when I had to, when I made characters, I will, I am that min max oh. guy who makes broken uh. bullshit characters that break the system and power game because, because I liked it. Um, <laughs> I like, that's why I like mechanical systems. It, it seems to me you know, in, in our last almost year and a half of doing this, you know, you have, and I've, I've known, I've known a handful of people like this who have a, what seems to be like a, an intellectual predisposition to quickly connecting with figuring out and seeing around and through the rules. And I'm, that's not a negative thing. Some people I've, I've known a handful of people who just like, you just get game rules and you get the math behind them and you understand that. And that is something that you, you pick up quickly and more than just, okay, I understand how the system works. You, you start seeing the shadows that the system and the mechanics <laughs> cast which, you know, enables you to comment on them or break them or things like that. Um, but you're, you're not, at least you don't seem like to me from very far away, you're not like obnoxious about it. You know, some people they, they use in order to abuse, to take advantage of the rules. You're just interested in them. Um, so I, could, I can see that as, a, as something that, that you would do. Um, yeah, I, my goodness, I, I have a similar... Similar kind of breakout, and it's weird too, actually, because um, in and in and out of the or at and away from the table, we have some similarities. Um, so yeah, I know I I started playing because I was a little kid when D and D came out, and my brothers were teenagers, and so they were they were not caught up in, but they were in that early like late seventies. You know when it became a, a thing, and my, and my brothers were always into building models, especially one of my two brothers, always into like building models, and um, he was also into like war games, like the Avalon Hill war games, like Panzer Blitz and Squad Leader and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, and then uh, model trains, all that kind of stuff. My other brother was into that stuff to a lesser extent, more, I think, because that was the zeitgeist of his his teenage years in part. Um, and so because my older brothers were doing it and it seemed really neat, I started playing the, the stuff too. But I quickly jumped from the original D&D to, I've mentioned this, to Star Frontiers and Gamma World. And science fiction quickly became way more my genre of choice regardless of the game the original west end star trek or star wars rather fossa star trek all that stuff in the 80s and then when i got into college um for about maybe two or three years it i was always still interested in those topics those subjects the idea but i, I just stopped gaming i was more interested in you know, all the things that college undergraduate life supposedly had to offer. And then my junior year, I got back into it. That's when I, I became aware of second edition Vampire the Masquerade and, and <laughs> cyberpunk. And I ran a long uh, vampire campaign and, and simultaneously on a separate night played in a, uh, in a long cyberpunk 2020 campaign you could wear mirror shades in both. You of those can. Things. That's actually true. And black leather. Uh, that's actually yeah. a real. Wow, I hadn't thought about that. Same, same. Well, you know, it's fascinating. That whole '90s, like goth, and I was never a goth, not by any stretch of the imagination. Good golly, no. Uh, but that '90s goth grunge, that um, like suburban mall grit or attempt at like <laughs> suburban mall punk. You know, it, it's funny if there's a UPC code on it and you bought it at a mall, it's it's inherently not rebellious no matter how edgy it, it tries to look. But like that was so big in the 90s and you're right that that fed right it fed perfectly into and reflected the, you know, the 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 world of darkness but then also the just over the horizon uh, you know, gritty future. And um yeah, I uh I actually I I taught high school for um 11 years i was a school administrator for a couple of years after that and now i'm a project manager at a nonprofit that works in the education sphere you want to call it that um and uh have been back into gaming like full-time quote-unquote as a hobby since like 99 or so when i moved back to my hometown um, and have been in a couple of different groups, assembled a few different groups. Um, early in that time was was a player more often. Um, and I'd say for most of the last 20 years have been primarily the GM. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I steal your explanation as to why. Um, I, I, I do think, unfortunately, I, I can be a lousy player. Here's, here's the context in which I'm a lousy player, when the GM won't stop talking. When the GM, because some GMs, let's face it, some GMs, and I think we all hit this at some point, we're, we're like the frustrated storyteller, frustrated novelist. You come up with this massive backstory and you, you have in your mind's eye this great, like, what does the inside of this longhouse look like? Or what does the inside of this <laughs> cave look like? And you, you forget that it's actually impossible to fully convey exactly what's in your unique mental image into anyone else's unless you can draw perfectly. And I can't draw to save my life. Mm. So when you're sitting there go as GM going on and on and on and all this exposition for 20 minutes straight and your players are like, I want to freaking do something like that's when I turn into the bad kid in the back of the classroom. Um, that's when I, I start passing notes and trying to, you know, foment the revolution. But uh, yeah, I still I still like science fiction games more. Not that I not that I dislike fantasy but I just like science fiction more. Um, I think I have a list um, because I, I like lists and I have a list of all the games I've ever played as best I can, I can tell. And then I have listed as to which oh ones God. I still own. And the last time I updated, which was a couple years ago, I had, I had played at least 87 different uh, role-playing game systems. Uh, and that includes as long as I played it at least once and like played at least for a couple hours. And I felt like I got the rules enough that I could say whether I liked it or not. Uh, then I counted as having played the thing. Um, but I, I, I've always been way more interested in the story 
and then the setting and then the characters and then the system although the system obviously it, it it, it can't get in the way of any of those things, but I've always been more interested in all of those things than than the the rules um, themselves. Yeah, I think for that, for me, I I can come in it any different ways because sometimes, like a new system drops, and I'll be yeah. excited because it's yeah. it, it might be a new set of rules, it might do something different, and I really want to try these like rules out and what are they like. But then there's lots of other times when. I've read a book or I've seen a film or read a comic or I'm playing a computer game and I, I want to play in that yes. world. And so then it is coming from the set and all the story points. So yeah, I can come at it from, I can we're both, from much we are both vulnerable to the shiny new thing. Oh, I'm super vulnerable to oh, the shiny yeah. new thing. Do, do you know what I've got in terms of shiny? Oh, here new it comes. Thing? What, what is it? That's a box. Guess, guess yeah, guess what's um, in it. And that's why it's unopened. Uh, I'll give you a clue. It's a Modiphius uh, game. Conan stuff. No, I opened that and played it. Uh, different two. This is a different two D twenty system. Which no, again, opened and used. This is this is just worthless two D twenty stuff. Homeworld. That's Homeworld. Hey, you know what? So Maybe there's love in there that. that you don't recognize. Maybe you'll find something really That's, exciting. It's a footrest. It's right footrest. Now. Well, it looks like it's a pretty big box. It's a, it's a big, it's a decent footrest. Um, sorry, my oh, that's all right. Homeworld, ain't, homeworld ain't getting no love around. That's here. all right. You know what? I we not everyone is you. You not not every swing is going to result in a home run, and most of their swings, in my opinion, have either you know resulted in home runs or something darn close to it. So a miss every once in a while is not gonna not gonna hurt. How have you looking back over these years and the games you've played and things? How have you changed as a gamer? in terms of what you like to play or how you like to play? How have your preferences evolved or, or have they? Yeah, I think occasionally I think they have and then I think they haven't. One thing is I'm very bad at, this isn't changing, but sometimes I'm, I'm very bad at actually sticking with a decision. So I think about a year ago when I started this podcast, 5e was like, it was the devil. We, I spent at least probably longer than six months, probably like nine months of this podcast constantly saying how bad 5e was and it didn't help there was things that like reinforced that like i played in a 5e game with some other people and it was like oh it's rubbish and then moaning about how everything that gets kickstarted is a 5e this and a 5e that and everything was terrible um and then i what started listening to critical role and started watching the critical role cartoon and decided i want to play dnd and then we played a bunch of dnd and played strada and had a wonderful time and really enjoyed it and actually yeah the system's not bad actually and has some you know does some things pretty well um so that's one thing that's never there's always times and i'll just say oh no i don't like it um the thing that's really changed for me is time you know when i was when i was first and particularly time to the amount of stuff I can afford to buy. You know, when I was a kid, I couldn't afford to buy a lot of role-playing stuff. I'd buy, you know, maybe I'd buy one thing in a whole year and I'd buy it and I'd read every single bit of it. You know, I remember getting like Marvel superheroes and reading every single character in there and reading through all the powers. And I would do the same, you know, I'd, I'd buy second edition books and I would basically read loads of it. And then I went to university and had a, I had a bit more money because I know I, that's why I chose to spend some of my money on. I should have been spending it on other stuff and i didn't i spent a role playing it because i had shops that was that was the big difference before i went to university i never had a place i could buy role playing games so i'd have to travel huge distances and suddenly i lived in a place which had like multiple places i could buy role playing so i was buying vampire and dnd stuff and star wars and all kinds of other things and that's when i started not having the time to read it but even then i had i had time to play i had a bit more time to read nowadays i just don't i i see stuff and i go i want that and i buy it but then I, I'm kind of like you. I don't really like reading PDFs. I'll, I'll get the PDF, I'll arrive, and I'll skim it, and I'll get a gist, a, an idea of what's in it. I'll see what's in it. I'll look at the main rules. I'll maybe read a little bit of background, uh, and then I'll put it down. And then when the main book arrives, I'll kind of go, oh, I've already looked at this. I'm not excited anymore. <laughs> and I'll look at it a bit. But I don't have the time to sit down and read. You know, I can't read a 400-page book. I just don't have the time to do that. I have the money to buy all these 400-page books. I just don't have the time to read the 400-page books. So inevitably, I do end up coming back to things that I am comfortable with, um, like 
Dungeons and Dragons or like 2D20 because I'm not having to read everything from scratch and things that are maybe a bit, you know, like I bought Cyberpunk Red, but I've, I've not really played it because it looks like, you know, that's a, quite a lot of work. And there's a lot of systems like that. I bought, I've read them. They look, they look interesting. But unless they've got like a quick start and a bunch of adventures that I can just run and a really easy character creation system that I understand, I, I, you know, I, I don't tend to. That was why there was a period a year ago, just after we first started this podcast, I ran nothing but quick starts for like three or four months because they had pre-generated characters and, and I could just read it. Also, at the same time, we were in COVID lockdown and I did have time to do it then. I had time to read things. Most of the time, you know, I, there's a lot of other things that I like doing. I like playing computer games and I play miniatures games and I want to spend time with my family and watch TV and go to the cinema and watch football. <laughs> we beat you 2-1 Friday night. England women beat USA. Supposed best team in the world. Not anymore. So, That's all notice right. I'm English again now because God, That's all right. Wait, you know what? Not well. Take it. Hey, that's a handy thing about being American is because we're all mutts here. And so, I mean, you know, I, I can, like when the, when the anniversary of the Battle of Vienna comes around, I, I, you know, my Polish half, I get fired up about that, you know, and whatever. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, but I can do it. Sorry, silly segue. Um, yeah, so I think time is one of the big things that changed. I, I don't have the yeah. time to put into crafting, like, my own adventures from scratch loads. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. I'd, I'd like to, but my adventure note, you know, I, I make a few notes maybe, or more often than not, I use pre-generated adventures or I steal. Like when I've, I've played through all these League of Legends adventures where I literally just stole the story plots from visual novels. And so I didn't, I just ran that. I created it. I mean, I did spend time doing that, but yeah, time's the thing that I think has changed me, but that hasn't meant, whereas I, I like, you know, I see a lot of people online or I haven't got the time anymore to play complex systems. I still like complex systems. I've tried the sort of the fates and the powered by the apocalypses and, and I just find them lacking. Like I get bored playing them because I feel like there isn't, there isn't enough going on. So as much as I, I, I want to tell an interesting story and I want to play in and tell stories in an interesting setting, but I also want interesting rules to latch things onto. Um, and that's why a lot of the time, you know, that's why, D and D, some of the rules don't work for me, but I do like the fact that you do this and you level up and then you get cool new things. And I like the fact that different monsters have different things that they do, uh, which have mechanical impact. And that's why I like 2D20 when you have like the combination of talents and the skills and the dice and momentum spends and doom spends. It's interesting to play and it's interesting to run as a GM. Um, you know, the kind of systems where, you know, the GM doesn't roll any dice and they're just telling the story. I just get bored. I get. I don't find that fun. I don't find that fun to run. I, at the end of the day, it's a role-playing game. It's not a role-playing story. I could just, you know, I could do imp. I yeah, that's a good stuff. point. So you know, the, I, you I like know, the I'm game. not a fan of those the those no role systems either, um, because I actually like sometimes, or I, I like the persistent role of chance, even on my end of things. Yes, yeah. and the dice provide that. Yeah. I mean, I made, you know, when I made this, my car PG game for League of Legends, I did make that with no GM roles, but I did that because I was going to be playing that game in a car and I didn't want to have to roll dice as well as having my story and all my paper. I just wanted to have paper and a pen. I didn't want to have to worry about a phone to roll dice or actual dice. So I pushed that onto, you know, Annie is then resident dice roller. That's how I designed the system like that for a purpose. It then had flaws because of that. And had it been opposed roles, it would have been better. Um, but it wasn't. So, yeah, I think about, uh, yeah, time is, the, is a big one, obviously. Um, and I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll second all of that. Obviously, it's, I have the same number of hours in a day. You know, I, I mean, the amount of my time during the week that's claimed is greater than when I was in school. Yeah. However, I have a family. I, I like to do things with them, you know, duh. And they, they're not, they, they'll play board games sometimes, but this kind of gaming is not something in which they're interested. And so that's on my time. And um, so I don't have as much of, I'm not rather, I am not willing to commit to or demand that big of a share of my own time because I, there are other things in which I'm interested in, frankly, other things to which I'm answerable, like my family. 
So yeah, time is a big one. I, uh, it, it's odd. I remember years ago, anything I would buy, I would use, <laughs> you know, anything I would buy, I would rather, and th Boys. therefore, because I didn't have as much money. The only things that I would buy was the stuff that I was confident that I was going to use. Now that always, that didn't always work out. And I can look back even now and think of games that I bought that I had little chance of ever playing or running, but I was just really interested in the game. And of course, you're not going to be able to play it or run it unless you own it. You're definitely not going to be able to run it unless yeah. you own it. Now, I mean, I I have the means, like if I want to drop, I mean, yeah, it, hardback RPG books are expensive. But if I want to get one, I can. Yeah. And so I'm, it's not like I am, uh, I'm loose in my spending in that respect, but I, one thing that's definitely changed is if I, if I'm really interested in reading something, I don't feel, I don't feel answerable to the, how realistic is it that I'm ever going to run this? Cause chances are, if I'm going to play it at all, it'll be me running it. I don't feel as answerable to that as I used to. So I have got, I've got stuff on my shelf that I, I'm unlikely to ever play or play much, but that I'm happy with owning because I was able to read it. I'll also treat game books like books. I mean, I'll just read them out of interest uh, for the story, for the setting, for the system, all that kinds of stuff. Uh, I think one big thing that has changed for me, though, is that this probably causes headaches for me, actually. There's a, a level of not like seriousness like everyone is serious like we're gonna play this game that's supposed to be fun but we're gonna be serious about being fun you know that's kind of contradictory but there's a level of focus that i want at the table for the game that i that 30 years ago i i wouldn't have have expected and maybe that's because there are so many you know stupid i hate cell phones at the table i hate them i hate them i hate them because they're just they're 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 attention suckers um, but I'm also not a big fan of, you know, in a lot of games, half the conversation is just like fart jokes and Monty Python stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually not big. Like I like humor, but I like the humor within the story <laughs> through the characters less just like characters make speaking. Cause what we do here in the States is if it's all bad British accents, um, and Monty Python jokes and stuff like that. And I'm just that, that kind of draw away from you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna set aside three to four hours on a single evening to get together with some people like i i want to focus because there's a, a level of fun that i'm gonna get out of it and satisfaction which is related to but not the same as fun there's a level of satisfaction that i don't get unless i work to a certain point it's almost like exercise like you know or like running you know people are like oh you're a, you're sick and wrong for liking to run it's like no 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 if you can get out and run five or six miles you hit that like three four mile mark and you're just chugging and you don't have to think about it you can just go like there, there's a there's a, an amount of focus and investment you have to put into the thing in order to get to that next to level up <laughs> And so that's something that I'm I'm not willing over the long term to do without because that I want that satisfaction out of the 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 game. I was just come on, yeah. So when, when we play Scott and Brian, the hardest bit is always starting. Because it's always the how have you got on this week and what's been going on, particularly if Mika turns up and starts talking about their families and stuff. Whereas we frequently won't. We will talk about what's going on at work or a film we've seen or what's happened in the sport. We will not talk about our families at all. And Mika will turn up and then she'll be like, oh, how's your kids? And how's this? And how's that? And I was like, we don't. Or, and if she's not there, she'll be like, oh, how's everybody's families? And I'm like, well, we don't, we I don't, don't know. talk about that. Didn't ask. We were talking about the football. And she's like, oh, you're men of rubbish. And it's like, well, you know, if there was something genuinely bad happening, they'd tell us. And if something's good, sure. was happening, they'd tell us. And otherwise, it's just, you know, same old, same old. Um, but yeah, once we've got started, then it's fine. We can play. Yes, we'll have silly jokes that will, you know, disrupt things, but we'll, we'll be able to play and we'll get on with it. Um, but yeah, and we do have phones at the table. We use them a lot for things like like coming up with character, like coming up with names for things and checking things and research. That's different. Looking up photos. We find it very useful to actually have something like that. Meek and Randy, though, it's, it's terrible. They, they don't focus. They are very much like I can say something and they were like, oh, well, we don't know what we do. Huh? Uh, yeah, huh? Well, and Meek will be on her phone the whole time. So trying to get them to, I might have to say, yeah, you can't have your phones at the table uh, if we play. But yeah, to, they will play role-playing, but to them, role-playing is just another game. And they do like playing board games, but then it's just like, oh, we want to play this other board game. 
So then to them, it's like, you know, playing a board game or playing role playing is just a different kind of game that we could play. Yeah. Um, and they can't, you know, they, good... they won't put a lot of time in, you know, Annie's, Annie will play a board game for an hour and beyond an hour. She's, she's bored of that boy. Same role playing. She'll play role playing for an hour, but beyond an hour, she's totally fed up. I think there's a different kind of commitment mentally and a different headspace you need to put yourself into for an RPG than a board game or, or a strategy game or something like that. And, you know, you're able to play and not be in that, that head headspace, but that's where I prefer to be myself. And that's where I prefer my players to be as well. And I'm, I'm happy to say that I, I have that. Um, and that's, that's great. Um, you know, here, here's the thing. Here, here's something I'll mention. Something that's changed. And here's, so I would put this under the heading of an admission. And I don't know where this came from. Um, and this annoys me. But years ago, 10 years ago, six, seven years ago, whatever, I would come, I felt like at least I could come up with stories, either riffing on something like that I stole or running a published adventure or something whole cloth, my creation. And I felt good about it and I felt confident about it. And I don't know why, but the last few years I've struggled way more with that. And maybe that's like my midlife gamer crisis or something silly like that. But honestly, I, I, I second guess the heck out of myself as to whether something is going to be good, workable, interesting for me and my players. And I'll come up with an idea I'm like, oh, my gosh, and I'll start fleshing it out. And then I almost immediately start attacking my own ideas. Oh, this isn't going to work or this is dumb. This is dumb. This is not good. This is not like I have to I have to actively avoid that on Saturday afternoons because the game on Saturday <laughs> night, like I have to actively avoid the the, the crashing wave of of stupid doubt that hits me about like, what can I do? And what, how's it going to work? Oh, they're not going to like this. This is dumb. And I didn't ever used to have that. And, and you'd think, you know, as you get older, you get more like settled and more confident in things. And, but in this, in some weird way, this I'd say haunts me now to an extent in a way that it never did. It never did years ago. So that's a change that I've experienced that has not been welcomed and annoys me. Yeah, I, I so, remember you talking about that. We did that episode worth. on sort of, sort of GM. I can't, we, it was some, one of our Games Master in type episodes. I remember you, like our, our self-help, yeah, uh, we our encounter group uh, episodes. Yeah, I think the stuff I talked about them, like not being able to make a decision on things. I think I've probably always... Yeah. I think the difference was... The thing that's made us worse is the internet. Like if I, if I had an idea back in the 90s, I could talk to someone else and well, the internet was starting to come, but you know, there wasn't forums and things and everything. You go, now, if I have an eye, I can go onto Facebook and ask a group there and I can go and ask questions in Reddit and I can go on a Discord. I can go and ask in like four different places and then I get all different responses and then, yeah, that didn't help anything. And so, yeah, it's kind of, it's one of those things like, yes, there are places to go to ask for help when you have, when you want an idea, but then you, you can probably get too many ideas that it wasn't actually helpful yeah. asking the question. Well, it's analysis paralysis. Yeah. yeah. Too many options. But I just yeah, it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing that's happened over the last several years that I, I wish I could I could shake. Yeah. It is fun to go around in the it's all the uh, what what system would you run such and such in? And all everyone does is say what their favorite systems are. <laughs> no one says I mean, occasionally you get the odd person who goes, Well, I would run it in this, but actually I think you'd better yeah. off run it in this. Everyone just says Funnily enough, no one ever suggests 5e for anything. Although I have seen suggestions for yeah. a 4e for stuff. It's funny how 4e's having this, this slight resurgence of people going, you know what? 4e wasn't actually that bad a game. It has certain elements to it that were... Don't go yeah, there. It, it's, well, you can't. You, you cannot make 4e characters without a character builder. It's basically impossible. It's, yeah, a, over time yeah, it's a game sure. design that you have to have like software for. It's literally, the, the game was ahead of its time. If that game came out now, when people are maybe ready for it, um, or some people are ready, it would probably do better. It, it came out, I it still look, I, having Having run it and having played it, I still think that there were, there were things in it. The more you added, if you think of, uh, especially a level-based system, the more levels you add, the more of the game you add. It's almost yeah. like the game is a, a sheet covered in cookies. And they're all cookies, but there are different kinds of cookies on that sheet. And the more cookies you eat, the more of like the full cookie experience you get. And the problem with that game 
And I think 3X and personally, I think 5E to an extent, Pathfinder, for all those that off that that lineage is that the more you eat, the sour, more sour your stomach becomes because it's just so much. Yeah. It's just so, so, so much. So I, yeah, I, anyway. I, it's very much a, a, like a law of diminishing returns type thing that when you, yes. when you get your first new ability, you're like, yes, I've got this new thing I can do. When you add your second new ability, it's like, great, but it's not quite as good. When you've added your 13th new ability, you know, it's, I, okay, I have no idea. I don't know what I'm doing. It's the kind of thing where you kind of wish that what you were doing is either upgrading an existing ability or just replacing abilities. And you only ever had so many things you can do. When it's particularly yeah. if you're a caster in those kind of games where you just explode, the amount of different stuff you can do becomes so many. And then the worst ones are when you're like a cleric or a druid and you have access to all the spells. How, how are you possibly meant to decide what spells you do? Which, which spells am I allowed? All of them. Oh, well, which one should I have? Well, it's up to you. He seems like that's just bonkers. Um, yeah, I kind of think they could do it more. That's what. That's why if you're playing a caster in five, you just play a warlock. You get like three spells, and all you have a cast is eldritch yeah. blast anyway, so it's fine. And no, and I have never seen anyone actually make the patron something that exact or extract something bad from you, because of course, remember the <laughs> the unmentioned implicit agreement in all D and D is that the stakes are always really low. I think I made a when we played a game and I, again, because, because often we ha only have two players, I tend to make a third PC to go with them. And I made up a warlock and I made up her own patron and it was basically of like a favorable, friendly God. So in that sense, she was like a cleric. Um, I put that on DM Gill. That made quite a lot of money. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's, right he's a friendly patron that doesn't ask for anything. And it's just your, a power source. Pick yeah. your mind. Oh, how easy. How, how nice. Yeah. How nice. Um, so what, what animates you now? Like in terms of what what a what kinds of systems make you go ah what so, something new oh okay <laughs> whatever's new whatever whatever's new and shiny that's not okay. true anymore because like I yeah because frequently more now I always try and apply the thing you said that you don't do as much anymore but you probably still do that you know am I going to use this There's a lot of times I look at something and I think this looks interesting but I mean partly one of the things that's changed for me in terms of that is that I I, I tend to when I see things on Kickstarter, because I know I'm going to get hammered on shipping a lot of the time, I will yeah. only back for the PDF now. And then because I know I'm probably not going to run it if I only have the PDF, that puts me off entirely. So there's been quite a few things recently. I look at it and go, no, I'm not going to because like I can't afford to pay for the shipping on the book because it's going to be so expensive. Um, and so, I mean, what I'll, well, the ones I like, and this is the one where, where there's things where they say, right, you're paying for the PDF, but you will get a discount through drive-through to do print-on-demand. Mm. That's great because I can, you know, I can pay for it and I will get the print-on-demand book and that comes from, from the UK. So the shipping on it, you know, the, the print-on-demand book is relatively cheap and the shipping is relatively cheap as right. well. So I don't get absolutely fleeced. But on a big book, so if it was something like, you know, a, a something for Savage Worlds, because I can't think of any big American publishers that aren't, you know, Wizards of the Coast, but something from Savage Worlds, you know, they're shipping that, even if they're shipping it from in the UK, I basically have to pay like the shipping from it. It's yeah. so expensive. You know, so I remember like I did get like one of the Rifts box or something and it wasn't ridiculous, but now those boxes are like 150 pounds. You're talking, oh, the same in dollars because we've tanked the pound. Um, and then the shipping ends up being like another 50, 50 pounds, $50 on top of that. And you're like, well, this is getting silly now. I mean, I paid that money for infinity. Yeah. That was for an entire product line. And now it's like that. Oh, it's here's it's one box. It's got two books in it. And there was something I did look at the other day where it was I can't I can't remember what it was, but genuinely it was like oh you get one book for sort of yeah fifty. Oh, and then it's another twenty five for the shipping. And if I wanted all three of the starting books, it was close to two hundred pounds or two hundred dollars for sort of three hardback books. And I was just like, are, are you kidding me? That's that's three books. So you end up going well. I'll just I'll just book. I'll just get the PDFs. And I'll hope that it comes to shops later on. Uh, and, you know, and if it doesn't, well, I won't get to play it. And frequently, that's why I do tend to just stick in, stick to 2D20 stuff because it's in the UK. Um, and actually, the Modifius shipping is, is overpriced, but it's still way less yeah, than what I'm, I get from other places. I'm, I'm leery about um, that stuff too. I mean, shipping, obviously, and especially in the last two and a half years, has gotten just ridiculous. Um, you know, even though I said yeah. that, there, yes, there are things that I have bought 
that I am I know that I am unlikely to run or I recognize that thinking about uh and you'll get this thinking about like you know trade-offs and you know the, the you know law of diminishing returns and also uh, connected that the law of increasing uh what is it uh, opportunity cost uh, you know, guns and butter on the production possibilities uh, frontier curve. <laughs> Just that I recognize yeah, that if go. I the, the more games I add to my my boxo games, which is now getting full, uh, the the more that's going to cost me not in money, but I'm going to have to give up running one game to run another game that I'm getting. Like right now, I'm considering. I there's a guy who's selling uh, the core, the physical copies of set, the core book and six other core book, or not core books, six other books from Infinity, all new from uh, the Kickstarter, because he's saying, look, I, I know I'm never going to be able to run this, and so I'm just going to cut my losses and go. And he's selling it for a good price, and I'm interested in it. It's a, it's a decent chunk of money, but... I'm going back and forth as to whether or not I, I want to buy it because I'm interested in reading yeah. this stuff, but I recognize that to run it, I will have to then not run something else that I've also invested more in, you know, and literally more money and, and more shelf space and more time into reading. Um, so that's a, that, that's a, a, a tough one. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that I get in, in excited about is when I know something's going to be, it's not just going to be a, a one drop. When, when I see something now, it's like, we're just going to drop this one book. And I think, well, I'm not really fussed then because chance I know I'm going to, I might look at it. It might be look cool. There was points where I was doing that with a lot of 5e stuff where I, yeah. when there wasn't huge amounts of 5e stuff. And I was like, you know, I was trying to get anything. I mean, I still have to say, I'm kind of, I find it weird that Wizards of the Coast dropped these kind of sort of pseudo campaign. They, they haven't dropped many rules books. We're 10 years in and there's still only a handful of actual rules books, which I always think is, is weird because, you know, I quite, I like rules, but I like things with rules in um, but yeah, well, I, I like to know that a, I like, you know, I want to buy a, a, a system. I don't want to buy just a, a core book and maybe one adventure because I know I'm not yeah. going to be able to write a load of adventures for it. Um, so that's when I see something like, you know, a new edition of like new editions is what I go great. No, new edition of Shadowrun. Oh yeah. This will be the edition that's playable and it's yeah. really cool. No, it wasn't. It was terrible. Um, and the same with D&D, &D. I'm excited for, you know, 1D&D, &D, whether it is actually 6th edition or whether it's just 5.5, because it's a new edition. It'll have cool new role things in it, it'll shake things up a bit. Um, that kind of thing excites me. You know, if they're going to do a, if they did a 2, you know, I don't think we'll ever see a 2D20 second edition. Maybe Star Trek I, might get one. I could see Star Trek kind of getting a set, but that's the only one because they just keep churning out different things. Yeah. But at least they support their games. So we've seen, you know, acting well, the thing... get supported. Okay, Co like Infinity and Conan aren't getting more support really, but they have a massive no. ton of books. So I don't need more support for those. I can just go to them. And they've got all this stuff. I, I like that. That that excites me when someone says, right, we're going to, you yeah. know, this is this property and we're going to do a bunch of stuff for it. Yeah, great. Because I know I can, there'll be more to just read than just one book and I've got to work it all out. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, I, I would be really surprised if Modiphius ever said, oh, we're going to come out with, you know, 2 die 20 version 2.0 because really the core mechanic is the same, yeah. but every game is a little bit different. There's no need for it because they're not yeah. treating it as this fully realized top to bottom system. It's a, a core mechanic and a set of, of ideas and norms that play out differently, but still, still come from that same source. That actually animates me. That that's exciting and interesting to me because from a from just the standpoint of how do you use this in that way? That's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that transfer of knowledge to move from one game to another is the the barrier to entry is is quite low because of that common yeah. core mechanic i i also like i like well-written books with interesting setting information and interesting like storylines and plots that seem to start to come out of the setting because you're reading and you're going oh i could see like for example that's why i really dug and still like most eberron as a, a dungeons and dragons setting because yeah. the setting itself just it, there are so many stories and ideas that come out of it immediately for me upon reading it and so i really like and that's one of the reasons i'll, I'll, I'll buy a book 
you know, I know if I know I'm going to read it, that, you know, that not necessarily run it, but that'll, that'll definitely get me to seriously consider buying it. Because if I'm reading, I'm thinking, oh, I could do an adventure like this or an idea like that or a campaign like this. So that animates me for sure. I think that's why I still buy, you know, when, when a new Modiphius game's coming out, I will buy it because even if I'm not going to play that, like particularly with the SRD out, even if I'm not going to play that particular one, there might be cool stuff in there I can use yeah. in, a, in another thing. And it's the same way I buy a lot of D&D books. Even if I'm not going to definitely use that, it could give me cool ideas to play because I know I'm going to play d and I'm never, I'm never at any point not going to stop playing d d d because it, it yes. does what I want in a fantasy game. I want a fantasy game which has levels and you level up and it has XP and, and you kill monsters and you get better. That's, that's what I want from a fantasy game, partly because that's just what I'm used to. It's, you know, it's your comfort food. Um, it is the comfort food of, of role-playing games, where it becomes a problem when people think it's the only food of role-playing games. Yeah. It's like, no, there's other stuff out there. Um, you know, I, I like what it does and sometimes it does it well and other times it doesn't. So I'll always buy D&D stuff. And like you said, some of the settings are great. I mean, I'll probably buy the, I, well, I'm intended to buy the Spelljammer stuff at some point and I'm looking forward to the Dragonlance stuff because those weren't settings right, I ever have an really opportunity got into to, in the past. If you like, set oh, aside cool. the time to read it. Yeah, we can try it out. Yeah, which yeah. I won't. I'll just look at the pretty pictures. Sometimes with the D and D books, I I open them up, I read the disclaimer on the yes, front page. They do tend they're to always be really funny. good fun. And then I flick through the art, and then they go on the shelf. But then I go back. I mean, like for last Christmas, I got bought the. I don't know. It's a book about dragons. And initially, I was like, I don't remember. I don't remember asking for this. Why have I got this? But then when I went back and read through a load of it, because I think I must have been on holiday and I had the time. And there was some really good stuff in there, like dragon encounters and dragon related PCs and all kinds of stuff. And I was like. Oh, they, I think the very fact that they've realized we can't, we don't want to be the old, you know, we don't want to be TSR or third edition Wizard of the Coast yeah. where we release 10 books a month. We're going to release one book every three months. Um, and the books are generally pretty good. No, they they're are. all amazing. They are. But they're generally pretty good quality, which is yeah. uh, nice to see. So I think that's us. Yeah. So there you go. So those of you who wanted to know more. And if you want to know more, more, yeah, you do. or you want to actually be kind of neat, if you want to share some of your your background and predispositions and interests and things like that on the discord. Again, I will put a link, a, an evergreen link to joining that and you can get on board and start talking because, you know, honestly, I think sometimes talking about where you're from and what, uh, what, what perks your ears up other people see in that. Oh yeah, that's neat. That's a person who's coming at this from the same angle I am. And you might find some common ground and might find something interesting to talk about with one another. I think that'd be a, be a good way to do things. Yeah. Do you have anything else, Sage, to add? Go If you want more to know even more, go and listen to our initial, whenever we did it, the our, our gaming history episode or whatever it was called, yes. our gaming journey. So yep. even more. I'll put a link to that in the notes. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash Fluff and Crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.